very unusual. Very unusual. It's very It's probably when you can when you put all the instruments together in the world, yeah, the and, you, and you size them from smallest to biggest. biggest. It's the biggest. It's going to be one of the biggest. Really? Imagine really? the Timpani biggest. Orchestra. The biggest instrument is probably the organ, right? Because that that can be huge. Can be. And even the smallest organ is going to be pretty big. Even the. It's, and then even got, the worst car is worth more than good bread. You've been in this room now an hour and you haven't spotted one of the biggest instruments in the world. You've probably never seen me play this instrument or maybe very rarely, very, very rarely seen me play this oh instrument. Oh my God, I've been walking around it this whole time. I can't believe it. Have you seen it? I can't believe it. How do I you don't play think I ever have seen you play this instrument. I can't believe you're a bassoon player. <laughs> I've seen it. I okay. see. I don't know. I mean, to be fair, there's no guarantee there's any instrument in there. It's one of those things that in old films they use. Um, they used to carry around machine guns. You know, where it's like, get down, the Tommy gun's coming out. <laughs> it's made of wood and air. Over 80% air. Sounds. Apparently. They always do that when it's turned on.
That's Amaya's wise owl. He's very, very nice, fluffy guy. He's a wise guy. He's not like a New York wise guy, though. You know, it's like ah, he's a couple of couple of wise guys. Mm, man. Thank you. I no, love getting a good chew- chewing on the podcast. Mm. It's like the misophonia. Misophonia. Oh, no. Misophonia. Ah. Do you know what the next thing is to get a spreadsheet? To write down all the conversations you have, Heather. Oh, that's good. That's what Al was do- starting to do. Oh my god. He... Was that rain? Mm. We should get that. Hey, we've got it. We should get a bit more. He was making a list of conversations. He was making a list of conversations. When we were just sitting in the sitting room chatting. And he was just secretly... He would make notes on the funny stuff that was said. (laughs) (laughs) And then I think it's because he was worried he would forget the funny things. Mm. And then, and it was in the period... He wanted to be an old person with all lists of funny, of the funny. I guess so. I remember laughing. (laughs) Forgotten the funny stuff. All the funny stuff's totally exited my brain. Yeah. I wish he'd kept those lists. Were you there when I was saying it to Al? I think we, it was when we were walking to Bergheim and mm. I was saying I was sad because when you live in a house with lots of people, mm. you have so many... Oh, that rain. Could get that rain. I just could have the rain now, I think, instead of my voice. It would be much better. <laughs> Lorraine and Arthur's misophonia mince pie. Yeah. You just have so many influences. You have so many people just talking about what they're watching and listening to mm. and reading. So if you're missing something like books, if you feel like you're not reading a lot of fiction, mm. sometimes you can be aware of that. Or I certainly find that. I'll say like to Christina, oh, I'm not reading very much at the moment. Wish I was reading more. But if you're mm. in a living situation with lots of other people, some of whom are reading more than you, then you just sort of come across it much more naturally mm. and yeah more likely for someone to be like oh I finished this you should read this mm. Mm. Well, that's Fred is very good at that though a reading he's lent me like a million books yeah he and Clemmy both I've read a lot I've lent him the odd book that I don't think he realised was lend <laughs> it's never come back my way <laughs> a little bomb a popcorn I don't know I just saw it on the side of the sofa I don't know what it is Do you think it's got anything inside it? I mean... What do you think, it's just a piece of... We could unwrap it. Cigarette paper. I, mean, I should probably not sniff it to find out. Unwrap it. Well, I'll eat my mince pie first. Yeah, before, maybe just in mince case. pie first. I find myself every single year, I resolve to read more and to listen to more music. Because I listen to so much podcast. Mm. and radio and spoken word and I just don't listen to the music Mm. it's weird because I think it's easier for me to hit play on somebody talking about something 
Mm. But in the long run, it's way more rewarding for me to listen to music. What do we get to do that? Which is interesting, I think. Mm. Creatively, I find it much more productive to listen to music. I find it sets a better mood for what I make. I'm not as cerebral. Mm. And that's, I think, a big problem. Maybe a big problem with... Since I moved studios last year, I've listened to a lot of podcasts in order to feel a sense that I'm not alone in that space. Mm. Because... As listeners to the podcast will know, having listened to all of last week's episode, my studio is kind of just in a residential building. And so I've just, I don't know, just you do just get these lonely moments where you're like, oh, it's just me trying to do this paint thing mm. again. I remember when we started it, this podcast, I was out in Lichtenberg and that was mm. so out in the middle of nowhere. And although you found yourself feeling alone, it was like creatively exciting because you were just in the, this sort of industrial wasteland and you're just making stuff but more importantly a shared house you were in a shared space mm. so there were people coming and going a little bit mm. even if only a couple of them. whereas when you are in a residential place you're actually surrounded by people but you're not interacting with them yeah 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 and i guess i'm blurring i'm blurring this my studio and my living situation a bit I mean, I'd be interested to hear for you how this has been because like you've been throughout this whole period, you've been here in this space and you've been in the yurt as well, mm. but you've been more or less, you've had the constancy of these two spaces dictating how you're... Kind of had the unconstancy of, well, of the, not making work. Well, <laughs> they're very... finishing work. But they're also very erratic spaces. This has been quite a, quite a secure space, but the yurt has had some insecurities. Mm. along the way <laughs> yeah going back to the initial thing listening to music and listening to podcasts they're just different worlds it's like a totally different thing mm. it's funny because we use our ears for both but they're just they could not be more different in terms of yeah how you engage with them and do you know what i think though? there's you're balancing that out against when you listen to music and you make art mm. You're you're stealing the you're stealing the music and you're putting it into painting and then you're mm. and then you're selling it, which I think is evil. That's the evil. Part. I don't I don't look at your paintings and make music because <clears throat> mm. then I'd be stealing your art and putting it into music into sound. So I think that you should not listen to anything. I think you should just inside. You should listen to nature. You should be with your Monastic. your surroundings and you should put that into your painting. Not not surround yourself with other people's stuff. I guess that's what you do when you're listening to music. When you're making music, you just listen to no other music, do you? At the same time. I tried putting on some film once when I was doing the sound and colour stuff. 
And I tried putting on just like felt like some. I remember you had that screen in here for a while. Yeah. And then I think you called me in a panic, saying like, "Get it out of here! Like, get that thing out of here!" I think with your creative spaces, they have to work for you Mm. in a way. I don't know if you spend an hour at the end of each day cleaning your brushes or doing something because it's doing like going out of your way because it's just not within mm. the streamline of your focus then you're just losing time oh, I had a real nightmare actually um, last year when I was trying to dry some paintings mm. or I was um, I'd basically I'd I had a studio visit, so I'd taken out a load of big paintings, and they were all around the room. They were stacked against the big against the walls, hmm. and they were finished. And then I was stretching new canvases, small ones, and I was priming them. Hmm. So I hammered the, the the wood together, stretched the canvas, and then I was applying this. And it's it's like not really canvas. It canvas. It's hessian. It's stack material. Hmm. And because it's this sacking stuff, it's not like a canvas or a linen, which is very finely woven. It's got mm. big holes in it, basically. Mm. And which means, although it's cheaper, it actually can become more expensive because you have to paint more layers of paint because right. in order to create the, mm. the painting surface. And so I put all this paint on, like heavily painted, mm. and I lent them... Uh, they were, I think, on the floor, but then they were getting in the way on the floor because the space is quite small. Mm. And there was probably 30 of them. It was a lot because I was going to make them into that big tiled painting. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I'll just hang them up on the wall while they dry. Mm. Because the, the front was dry to the touch. And I was like, okay, so they're basically dry. Mm. And so I hung some on one wall where there's nothing underneath. And then I hung two small ones on hooks that were already there above the big finished paintings from mm. the studio, studio visit. And they were hanging like against the wall. Yeah. And I didn't really think much more of it until I came back like maybe a couple of days later. It was a few days before I noticed what had happened. Mm. And basically that paint that had been on the priming surface had gone through the hessian, through the holes. And on the back, it was still wet Mm. for a much longer time than it was on the surface. Mm. And it had dripped through, like around the canvas stretches and it had dripped down. Mm. And onto these big paintings that were resting below. Mm. And they were all finished. And the paint that was dripping down was acrylic and the finished paint to oil paint. And the main uh, thing you can't do is put acrylic paint on top of oil paint because then it cracks and stuff. Mm. So it was an area of the painting that I was able to sort of save mm. because it was quite a big space of color. So I could kind mm. of go back into it. At first I tried to use some kind of remover to try to take the acrylic paint off. How much did it drip down there? Well, probably for like five drips. And it was, I was lucky because mm. they were all stacked. These big paintings were all stacked against each other. Mm. So there was really very little of the painting. It's actually gone down to the like, horizontal. It had like gone onto the top edge, which is fine. Like that's absolutely yeah. fine. 
But then, because it was so wet, it had then dripped down in the very... Almost like a deliberate line mm. down onto the image in white on black. The area that I was painting was black. And I was like, this is insane how this has happened. Yeah, I was sort of lucky because it hadn't dripped that far. Mm. It had dripped maybe like, I don't know, 20, 30 centimeters down. And I was so, a, quite a lot. It was a lot. And, and I had to, the problem is the painting that it had dripped onto was a very gestural, quite loose painting. Mm. And in a way that's almost the hardest thing to recreate because you get those marks and shapes through quite spontaneous working mm. and it's often while well, everything's wet on the surface and you're moving it all around and you're working with the painting on the floor and you're tipping it up one side and the other side and it's, it's very fluid and so then to try to repaint that is really tricky because you're trying to make the gestures seem natural rather than somehow contrived like those big expressive marks have been mm. painted in intentionally and so yeah I I just it was a bit of a nightmare I was like whoa this is this is a disaster but I feel like the bigger problem with your studio is that it's it's an apartment yeah and that's the thing that you keep coming back is that it's just like you you're worried about it about it exactly being destroyed because you exactly. need to cover up all the paint exactly and, and so like that becomes that just enters into all of these little things. Yeah, it's it's interesting being here because like you have the opposite thing here where the people in this building are artists, you know, they're working on something creatively, using these mm. spaces as studio spaces. And then some people are secretly living here. Fright frightening. Well that's my problem way. with this space is that it is too much of a commercial um, thing no this this space for me is too much of a um a mix of home and and work mm. because when it's your only place to to wash now or to cook then that just bleeds into your feeling of the space as a workspace which is annoying but i haven't found the solution for myself for it yet my instant reaction is to try to allow those things to bleed into the work and to allow yeah. the quirks and frustrations of your life. Yeah, because they shouldn't matter. I mean, like, there are plenty of people that are, like, home producers and make their shit from their bedrooms, and yeah. that's fine. And this, I, I have more separation than that because I have a yurt to go to. I have a place that's really a different feel to get mm. away from. So I'm but lucky I, in that sense, but it is. Um, but I have this. But yeah. I share the same. I but I, but it makes. Yeah. But maybe it's just that thing where you want. Actually, the problem that it creates psychologically is not as big, uh, as what it actually is. And for me, the fact that I, ha that I have my kitchen here doesn't mean that I can't use it as a studio. Like it doesn't mean mm -hmm. that there's not enough space for that. Like it's a big enough room. It's more of a psychological thing. It's definitely um, that more I think that like the grass is greener, and I want a space where I just go to and I clock off, clock in and clock off. The problem is that I want to, I can't clock in and clock off, and, but that's like a separate problem. That's yeah. my problem with my 
creative block at the moment, I guess. Yeah. There you go. Just what you wanted. Gotta get that sound. You wanted the sound. Gotta get that sound. <laughs> I'm a bit cold. A bit cold. I often basically have the same question internally, which is like, is this something that I'm just overthinking about? You know, is this something mm. that I'm... And for, for the most part, last year, I actually found that once I got going, once I got set, settled into a rhythm, I was just going and it didn't really matter where I was. I was just like, I just got to make, and it's just about just producing and producing and producing and producing and just trying to get out of this head space if I can get out of that then actually it doesn't really matter where I am whether I'm at home uh, whether I'm in a residential building a commercial building whether I'm outside if I'm in the car if I have a piece of paper and a pencil and I'm distracted enough from my concerns just get going and that's why I think actually music is essential for me in order to do that because it just kickstarts a different part of my brain it actually doesn't start it it actually switches off a whole part of my brain it switches off a whole thing that's just thinking about like the news and the politics and music, which is just constant depend on your own personal balance artistically De definitely. the commercial versus the art for art's sake isn't it De definitely but I think sometimes in fact I know that the things that I've been most just engaged in the work mm. for some reason have often been the things where that resonates with people mm. somehow and when I'm most concerned with trying to make a good painting mm. that's not always the answer you know mm. You're cluggling to strock on and clock clank off. Mm. But then the other thing you said was something to do with creative block at the mm. moment. Do you feel that that's stick, kicking around at the moment? I mean, I feel like 
balancing life is so difficult for me mm. at the moment and in general and I feel like that's been like the theme of the last 150 of life really weeks of podcasts that we've done every week we we come back to it I would every say. week for the last 150 weeks I feel like it could have been a similar life, thing yeah. like I've released one single this year I released nothing 2023 man you're off to a great start what did I release I released nothing one in single this year if you keep going at that rate you'll be doing a single a week I released one single in 2021 I released one single in 2022 I released nothing in 2020 like that's shameful it's so I shit did. <laughs> I did five gigs last year I did one the year before I did none in 2020 like, yeah but it's I'm, like what am I doing 2020 like, was a bit of an exceptional year I think for a lot it of was, people but some people stayed at home and recorded albums some people like you yeah, know other built people. Eiffel Towers in their basements some people swam the length of the Atlantic Ocean in their bathtubs some people did shit like I built a tool shed that got broken into and, and only now have I like replaced some of the stuff that got stolen so I can chop enough wood to keep myself warm um, it's, it's the balances of those things. I just I can't feel like I'm ahead of. Yeah. Whereas no, I would I love that. like to feel that sense. We're of... talking about the blank mind thing. Like mm. I just feel like I can't get there because I'm too concerned about mm. my particular lifestyle that I've chosen and all the other regular things that people have to deal with of mm. like making mm. money and doing their taxes and whatever, yeah, um, whatever feel, else, cooking themselves meals and maintaining their relationships and whatever, whatever else happens in life. Well, it's interesting, yeah. though, you know, because it just got me thinking this idea of creative block and clocking in and clocking out and and that blank headspace. I think doing this again, even though we've been doing it every week. We do it every week. Yeah, yeah. It has brought me back to some of the things that we talked about at the very beginning mm. and how when you are new in a place you have an energy that is driven by the place that mm. is totally beyond anything else it motivates you to just do stuff mm. and it gives you life it gives you energy and so mm. even though i mean i think that the challenges you had at the beginning I mean, we should move somewhere new this is what you're saying can i have some tea i was thinking that yeah so i keep not uh, filling up no it's fine i, I, I shouldn't keep, keep drinking it. i keep not filling filling up you with tea thank you yeah I mean whether it's moving somewhere new or I mean You're but just moving. before we go there before we go to that 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 subject more what I'm thinking is the things that you the obstacles you had to overcome when you first arrived are actually much greater than the ones you have now but it's strange because it feels reversed the that's idea. why it feels balancing right because you because you, there's always going to be the shit in life to deal with and balance and do mm-hmm. and sometimes there'll be greater problems sometimes there'll be easier problems but I don't feel like I'm in a creative rut in the sense that I don't have creative ideas that I want to fulfill mm. it's that I don't seem to be able to fulfill them or I'm not able to focus on one thing mm. or I'm not able to just bring something to fruition and then move on to the next thing mm. and then that kind of gets wound up with anxiety and kind of self-doubt and yeah eats into and also discipline as well not having discipline not being able to let, let the discipline kind of push away the anxiety and self-doubt mm-hmm. so that you're just like well 
whatever happened, I'm just going to finish this and release it, put it out there, and so I can move on to the next thing. I have this thought often while I'm working, which is, as I'm making a painting, I put more and more and more expectation on that painting to succeed on every level and basically to be not just a great painting, but almost like but it's the masterpiece fallacy. You want things to be perfect, right? You want to be like I've changed history forever with this one right. tiny mark on a piece of paper. It's absurd, but it's but it's funny because it's the kind of thing that I know intellectually because I've experienced yeah, yeah, that yeah, in yeah. the periods when I first came to Berlin and feel like I was really productive. Like my giving a shit was lower mm. than my my excitement of uh, <laughs> putting stuff out there, and it felt really good. What I mean is that I didn't always have the same level of excitement about the work that I released, but at the very least. Or whatever, or whatever point when I think about them, how much I like them and dislike them, at the very least they're finished things and they're done and it doesn't matter. I totally agree. I mean, this year, you know, in response to your thoughts about releasing music, I also had a really low year where, although I, there were a couple of things I exhibited and exhibitions I was in, just felt like a really tough year, to be honest. When I say this year, 2022, just felt like a really tough year. It felt like by the end I was up and going and I had been, I'd made things that I was proud of, but it just felt like the whole year felt like a struggle, creatively speaking. But one standout thing for me was actually this exhibition in Leipzig that Clemmy organized. And it's amazing because that show for her, she must have started working on that show in 2018, I think. Or it was definitely two, three years. Yeah, the genesis of it was when they were back in Leipzig. Mm. I really felt lucky to be included in it, but it was the first time where I've been asked to show work that's now quite old. Mm. And so I was showing this work here. It's kind of crazy that this this painting that is behind me as we as we do this is yeah it's it's an amazing thing that like was made in 2016 mm. about or was well, made in 2015 of, of which the journey yeah. for it was, exactly was so, in like 2000 and 2009 man. so the original and that's the other thing so in the show i showed some of the original sketchbooks which was from 2009 mm. then i showed this work which was from probably made in 2015 16 and then I showed some of the work from just as we arrived in Berlin in 2018 or so, 2017, mm. 18, which that now is a long time ago. And all of those works, are, they look, I mean, I feel like there's a visual, a formal similarity to those images and the ones I'm making today. But I think for a lot of people, it's quite a big jump, you know, mm. very black and white, mostly work on paper, very printed, lots of mono printing, transfer printing and and drawing. Mm. And now the works are on linen and canvas and sack <laughs> material mm. and they're paint, you know, they're all these different types of and they're super colorful mm. um, and, and cardboard palm trees and cardboard palm trees, you know. I felt 
proud actually of this work that mm. is not the work that I would make today but it's like it does represent a version of you I remember listening to Zadie Smith talk about White Teeth I think her first mm. novel and she's kind of dis- disowned it she, she's like not into it at all mm. other people think it's her masterpiece mm. and and then on the other end of the spectrum, I think I heard Jeffrey Archer. It's probably not going to give me lots of literary cred to drop Jeffrey Archer in, uh, in here. But he, I think he rewrote one of his books. He was like, yeah, it's bad now, so I'm going to just take it and edit it and rewrite it completely and publish it again. So there's obviously different ways to deal with the past and creative past creative output, including taking old things. And if you're a musician, the amazing thing about performing music is you get a chance to actually change it in the right. performance like Bob Dylan so you've segued perfectly for me but <laughs> there's a there's a there's a song that I want to read the lyrics from oh yeah it's actually first released by the band but it's mm. written by Bob Dylan it's called when I paint my masterpiece and it goes all the streets of Rome are filled with rubble ancient footprints are everywhere you could almost think you're seeing double on a cold, dark night on the Spanish stairs. Got to hurry back to my hotel room where I got me a date with a pretty little girl from Greece. She promised she'd be there with me when I paid my masterpiece. Or the hours we'd spend inside the Colosseum, dodging lions and wasting time. Or those mighty kings of the jungle I could hardly stand to see him. Yes, it's sure been a long, hard drive. <laughs> hilltop following a pack of wild geese. Someday everything is going to sound like a rhapsody when I paint my masterpiece. What What's the meaning of when I paint my masterpiece? Someone says, the lyrics depict the narrator's adventures in Rome and Brussels. A cynical take would be that Dylan wrote the song as a way to write off a trip to Europe on his taxes for fiscal year 1971. Oh, such a good idea. I remember it being better than that, actually, but... It's great. I love the, I love the idea of it this sort of marking of the future, you know, mm. these projections of ideas, these projections of this will all be in place, things will be different mm. when I get to this point, because I feel like that resonates with all the projections that I've had so far mm. with my musical aspirations. Where I'm I'm like, a, I'm mine things too, will get there. Like, this yeah. needs to be in place and then it'll be fine. This needs to be in place and then it'll be fine. As you say, the problems, like the, the hoops you have to jump through when you move to a new country are definitely like greater or Way different bigger. or feel dif- more difficult Language. than when you've been in place. I mean, literally ordering food on the telephone when we began this whole thing 
mm. was such a chronic impossibility for both of us that I was too embarrassed to even speak a word, I think, into a telephone mm. receiver. Is that what they're called? Mm, yeah, I think that's what they're called. <laughs> and now Spy. we're both fluent Spy. German speaking. <laughs> Wait, have we been doing this in German the last I think so, yeah. Or, I think so. I think we've been doing this in German, haven't we? Nine. One thing that's certainly Five. different between Five. art and music is that in terms of executing an idea or finishing something to completion, on some level we could sit here and I could do a drawing of you and then my work is done. Mm. But for you, it's a little bit trickier because like, you can have a recording in a way or you can be making a recording, uh, but then there's a release process which involves a lot of social expectation or certainly industry expectation like what comes with the release process it's like should it have any press should it have any should it have a launch on like a site a website or these are kind it... of similar but the the dissimilarity that we've talked about once before i think is just is the idea that yeah you have to have a visual side yeah to release something like you have like that's where i was going to go the you music. kind of have to i mean you don't, i mean you can just put something on soundcloud but i don't think you can even release something on soundcloud which is the most like relaxed of those things without having a photo, some having kind some of kind image. of like you you can't. I don't know of like a place where you would just upload the audio in its rawest form. Even mm. though all the other things are comparable, like the idea that I can make a demo, I could just release that. But what if I want to build it more? It's similar if you start off with a sketch and you want to mm. actually use oil paint, or you want to like make a small painting or a bigger painting, or when the idea of how how finished something is depends on. Mm what your aesthetic is and how much you want to work on it and what your, your idea of polished is and that kind of thing. Indeed, whether you need to work with other people to realise that or not. On that subject of an image, it's clear that music videos, it's not that they've died, they've almost got a new life entirely. The visual mm. imagery for an album or for music songs, music songs, mm. is now just infinitely remixable and user-generated. The person I was actually chatting to about this, which I thought was interesting, was Alex Gibson. He was saying, and we were laughing because I remember <laughs> we ages ago, we were looking at people's album covers, like album covers we really liked. Mm. And I had been listening to a lot of TV on the radio, which I love. And my head I was like oh yeah I think they have really good album covers and then we looked and they're terrible album covers they're like almost so bad it's good kind of thing but his main point was that in the world of streaming in particular why does anyone choose to put any text on their album mm. cover because it's sort of redundant now it's mm. such a holdover from you know previous generations of needing to identify something in a in a mm. cd shop or whatever or a record shop um and you know i guess it's something that bands have always played with like with the white album and stuff like that where you kind of sort of show the text or you don't show mm. the text you know and then we also we were, ch we were just chatting about ladies and gentlemen one of my favorite bands the strokes <laughs> famously like great album cover but even that one it's such a good image. So many of these images could be even better just to add images. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pause. I'm just gonna. Um, oh. I'm gonna segue because we've got our first caller oh, of yeah. the. We've got our first. Um, 
we've got a first caller for our for our weekly podcast. Hello. I don't know if I want to describe to our listeners the image. That's well, it's one of our previously featured hosts of the show. Yeah, it is. He might have left us this crink- <laughs> this crinkly little. He might have left us this crinkly little. True. That might be. Do you know what this is, Sam? Yeah. Oh, je vous une aïe rêve. 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 Oh, je vous une aï